welcome and thank you so much for tuning in to episode one of DNA. Podcasting from Taipei, Taiwan, I'm your co-host, Alicia Huang, a junior and IB student. And I'm your co-host, Daphne Wu, also an IB junior. My name is Thomas Liang, a junior as well. Uh, hi, my name is Jaywon Choi, an IB student, and thank you all for joining us. In our podcast episodes, we will be exploring the science behind our daily lives. Today's episode will focus on the coronavirus. But before we dive into the main topic, we will introduce a quick science fact of the day. So Alicia, do you want to start us, start us off? Okay, yeah. So today's fact is that diamonds rain on Jupiter and Saturn. Recent figures have suggested that the diamonds exist first as methane gas, then lightning strikes it and zaps it into carbon suit, which is one of the bases for diamond. So as you may know, diamond has a 3D lattice structure and they contain carbon atoms, which are arranged in a tetrahedral pattern. So what this basically means is that carbon atoms are attached to four others, making this pattern. So after this carbon suit hardens and solidifies into graphite, the phenomenon of diamond rain occurs. And actually, fun fact, a thousand tons of diamond are generated annually on Saturn. You shouldn't really get too excited though. These diamonds don't actually last forever. Oh yeah, good point. I forgot to mention, as they fall tens of thousands of kilometers, it's been theorized um, that the temperature and pressure has caused the diamonds to change into a liquid state. And so this results in a sea of liquid carbon. Wow. So, well, now you guys know why it rains diamonds on Jupiter and Saturn. Hope that was something new for the listeners. Now let's dive right into the main topic of the episode, COVID-19, and break down the science behind it. Thomas, Jaywon. The coronavirus, or now more specifically known as COVID-19, is a disease caused by SARS-CoV-2. COVID-19 is a very problematic disease, as we have clearly seen from the situation at hand because of how novel and unprecedented it is. The virus is named because it's a corona shape when observed under a microscope. SARS in 2003 and MERS in 2015 were also caused by the same coronavirus. That doesn't actually mean they're the same virus though, but they're somewhat related, just like cousins. Yeah, that's a nice way to put it. Well, what makes this virus very different from its relatives is how easily the virus spreads. The fact that it infects the upper respiratory system, allowing aerosol transmission, and of course, because there is no working vaccine for the virus at the moment. We currently don't know a lot about the virus, but we are very familiar with how the body reacts to the infection. So, Jaywon, can you explain more about how COVID-19 infects the body? Uh, yep. Um, the overall infection progress can be split into three stages. The incubation period, mild symptoms phase, and critical stage. First is the incubation period. This is when the virus enters the body, then infects the cells lining your throat airways and grows their numbers. During this period, people rarely develop symptoms. The length of this period varies widely, but it's around five days on average. Next phase is the mild symptoms phase. This is what most people will experience after the incubation period. Around 80% of the infectants experience body aches, sore throats, headaches, fevers, and coughs. At this stage, the body recognizes the virus as a hostile invader and signals the rest of the body to release chemicals called cytokines. This activates your immune system. The fever here is the result of your immune system responding to the infection. And the stage lasts about a week, depending on the immune system at which most patients will recover. Okay, Jaywan, you said most, but then what about the rest of the people who actually don't recover during the mild phase? Well, in the unfortunate case of that occurring, it will be the result of the immune system overreacting to the virus. The chemical signals the rest of the body 
which causes inflammation, and this needs to be delicately balanced. Or else, too much inflammation can cause collateral damage throughout the body. And if the conditions worsen, the patients enter the critical stage. It's estimated around 6% of the cases become critically ill. By this point, the body is starting to fail and there's a real chance of death. The problem is the immune system is now spiraling out of control and causing damage throughout the body, along with the virus. The damage can reach fatal levels at which organs can no longer keep the body alive. The mortality rate for coronavirus is currently around 5.4%. And as of June 23rd, there are currently around 9 million known cases, 481,000 deaths, and 4 million recoveries worldwide. Unlike other countries, for Taiwan, there was a continuous streak without any cases of the virus until just recently. So, Lisha, what are the reasons behind this? Well, that's because um, a lot of public places like malls or exhibitions require people to wear masks and their temperatures are always measured with, for instance, an infrared thermometer or a thermal camera. So these tools are used to identify whether or not one has a fever. And it's quite crucial because um, those with the coronavirus have a fever as a symptom. So once those with fevers are detected, they can be alerted immediately and they can be recommended to seek medical care. I personally think that these mandatory temperature checking systems really do help in easing the spread of the virus significantly. Yeah, it has certainly helped, but well, I don't, I don't really think temperature checking won't really catch all COVID-related fevers. It also can't identify people who have the coronavirus, but no fever like asymptomatic patients. I know that temperature checking will uncover some fever in some people, but I still don't think people should rely too much on temperature checks. And rather than spending money on machines like this, there may be other effective measures for the government. Well, yeah, you do make a good point, but I mean, it's actually physically impossible to catch all of the coronavirus cases in the world. So at least I think that infrared thermometers can help filter out those who potentially do have it. And if those people with fevers do self-isolate and consult with a doctor, it can really help prevent transmission of the coronavirus. Well, in any case, besides this, do you guys know any personal measures that people can carry out that could possibly reduce the spread of the virus? Face mask for sure. According to the University of Hong Kong, face masks could help reduce transmission in the community, particularly if used in public transport and crowded areas. But there are many types of face masks and they all have their pros and cons. For example, surgical mask, which is a type of face mask, filters out large particles in the air and reduces exposure to saliva. Although surgical masks have not been approved by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, it provides at least some kind of protection. Another type of face mask, the N95 respirator, is known to offer more protection than surgical masks. When the user inhales, it filters out both large and small particles. They also have one-way valves, which makes it easier for the user to breathe. However, it has been suspected that this type of mask doesn't really stop the spread of the virus, as the valve may release unfiltered air when the user breathes out. Uh, key point here. If you have the option of choosing what type of mask to use, please avoid using fabric masks, as fabric absorbs, not blocks off the virus, according to studies. Exactly. Please ensure you're wearing masks in public for your own safety and the safety of the community. Yeah, so just to add on to what Thomas and Jaywon has said, single-use masks should and must be disposed of properly after using it throughout the day. Reusing it after washing it or cleaning it with alcohol is really not the recommended method. 
Speaking of washing, studies have shown that by merely washing our hands, we can reduce the risk of contracting the virus by 21%. A source has stated, quote, washing your hands persistently is also crucial. Using soap is the best method as it gets rid of around 88% of all harmful microbes in your hand. But washing with just water also gets rid of 66% of microbes. Wait, so do hand sanitizers do something similar to washing your hands? Um, well, before I answer your question, I want to add on to what Daphne has to say. So according to the CDC, using soap to wash hands is more effective than using water alone because the surfactants in soap lift soil and microbes from the skin, and people t tend to scrub their hands more thoroughly when using soap, which further removes the germs. So if we are comparing using hand sanitizer versus actually washing our hands with soap, um, basically a similar logic applies. Um, professors like Dr. Christopher Fries at the University of Michigan and a myriad of other scientists and doctors strongly recommend the use of soap and water over hand sanitizer. Um, this is not only because um, the alcohol in the hand sanitizer causes skin irritation to those with sensitive skin, but the alcohol volume used and the concentration must be high enough, so at least 60 to 70 percent, which is the most effective. And you must also rub it across the whole surface of your hands and fingers. Sanitizer also doesn't bind to germs and destroy the surface membranes of the pathogens like soap molecules do. The combination of soap and water is just overall much more effective and can even wash away viruses worse than COVID-19. Okay, well, aside from hand sanitizers and masks, the CECC says that by keeping a distance of 1.5 meters in indoor environments and one meter in outdoor ones, we can reduce the risk of coming contact with contaminated surfaces that the virus may stay on for hours, even days. The rate of transmission is influenced by many factors, including the viral load, the duration of exposure, the number of individuals, and the settings, so like indoor versus outdoors. So you guys, what are your thoughts on the practice of social distancing? Well, I definitely think that social distancing is the best solution for stopping the virus at the moment. Now, Jaywon, briefly introduce us to how to practice social or physical distancing. Well, stately six feet, about two arms length from other people. Why? When someone coughs, sneezes, or speaks, they spray small liquid droplets from their nose or mouth, which may contain the virus. If you're too close, you can breathe in the droplets, including the COVID-19 virus, if the person has the disease. Staying out of crowded places and avoiding mass gatherings is key. It is tough and hard to carry this out, but for the collective good, everyone should do it. I definitely agree with Jaywan. Social distancing and staying 1.8 meters apart at least from someone else is definitely crucial to avoid a potential spike in coronavirus cases and to prevent the trigger of a potential second wave in the talks. That's why I think that countries across, across the world should refrain from lifting lockdown bans too soon or if they do, they should continue executing the existing hygiene and protection measures. For example, temperature checks, not touching your face, wearing a mask out, and washing your hands thoroughly for at least 20 seconds to kill most of the germs and pathogens on the surface of your hands, underneath your nails, and on your palms. Yes, I agree that these methods are all absolutely crucial for the containment of the virus. But let's switch gears a little. Have any of you heard of any promising news of a potential vaccine or cure in the near future? If there is one, none of what we just said matters. Well, that's because vaccines are that crucial in solving the global crisis. 
Yeah, another potential cure for COVID-19 in the future is remdesivir, an unapproved drug that was originally developed to fight Ebola. According to the New England Journal of Medicine, remdesivir has already helped 68% of patients with their severe breathing problems. 60% of those who relied on ventilators to breathe took the drug and were able to stop relying on the ventilator after 18 days. Remdesivir is able to reduce lung virus levels and lung damage, but due to its current adverse side effects, the drug has not been approved as a vaccine for COVID-19. What I've seen recently is that, well, in addition to remdesivir, according to a study by this technology research center in Wuhan, um, coronavirus survivors' blood plasma could save lives. So scientists took the antibody-rich plasma and injected it into severely ill patients. So what happened after that? Well, within three days, they saw drastic improvements in symptoms and virus levels decrease significantly. Um, Daphne, do you think this could be a potential remedy? Well, I think it is a step in the right direction, but not to give anyone false hope, I'm pretty sure more testing is needed. But I guess the only thing we can focus on now is to fo- is containing the virus. Speaking of which, people also have to make sure that those with pets who take them out for walks wash their paws once they get home as animals can both get and contract the virus. Yeah, I was actually quite terrified when I first heard that animals, especially dogs, can, can contract COVID-19. However, the good thing is that the virus has not proven to be a health hazard to the animals, nor has there been evidence that they are able to spread COVID-19. Despite this, still remember to take care of both yourselves and your pets. Yes, a tiger in a New York zoo had, was actually the first animal that had tested positive for the coronavirus. Fortunately, there is currently no evidence that suggests that animals are able to spread the virus to people. But no precaution is too extreme. Better be safe than sorry. The World Health Organization has stated, when handling and caring for animals, basic hygiene measures should always be be implemented. This includes hand washing after handling animals, their food or supplies, as well as avoiding kissing, licking, or sharing food. So what I've seen recently is that, well, in addition to remdesivir, according to a study by this technology research center in Wuhan, um, coronavirus survivors' blood plasma could save lives. So scientists took the antibody-rich plasma and injected it into the severely ill patients. So what happened after that? Um, Well, within three days, um, the scientists saw drastic improvements in symptoms and virus levels decrease significantly. Well, Daphne, do you think this could be a potential remedy? Well, I think it is a step in the right direction, but not to give anyone false hope, I'm pretty sure more testing is needed. But I guess the only thing that we can focus on now is containing the virus. Speaking of which, people also have to make sure that pets who are out for walks, when they get home, the owners must wash their paws as animals can both get and contract the virus. Yeah, I was actually quite terrified when I first heard that animals, especially dogs, can contract COVID-19. However, the good thing is that the virus has not proven to be a health hazard to the animals, nor has there been evidence that they are able to spread COVID-19. Despite this, still remember to take care of both yourselves and your pets. Yes, a tiger in a New York Zoo was actually the first animal that had tested positive for the coronavirus. Fortunately, there is currently no evidence that suggests that animals are able to spread the virus to people. But no precaution is too extreme. Better be safe than sorry. 
the World Health Organization has stated, when handling and caring for animals, basic hygiene measures should always be implemented. This includes hand washing after handling animals, their food or supplies, as well as avoiding kissing, licking, or sharing food. Right. Actually, I've been doing that and washing my dog's paws ever since the news emerged that a 70-year-old Pomeranian, who was the first dog to be found potentially with the coronavirus, died two days after quarantine and was likely to be a case of human-to-animal transmission. Though she was only weak positive and this might not even be true, I still wanted to make sure that my dog is safe. Should alcohol be used to wash paws though? Uh, actually, no. Um, there are sources that caution against using ingredients like alcohol, bleach, hydrogen peroxide, or chemical compounds that contain the word phenol on dogs. Well, I guess all we have to hope is for a cure or vaccine for the virus. For over half a year, this virus has affected the globe and our everyday lives. I completely agree. We, are, we all have to try our best to prevent that second wave by taking precautions and taking in what we have said so far well, in terms of how each and every one of us can slow down the spread. Well, with that, that is the end of today's episode of DNA. We really hope um, all of you take back something from this podcast episode and realize how key of a role science plays in the coronavirus situation today, especially as we near the possibility of a potential COVID-19 cure. Thank you for listening and remember to join us for a brand new episode in a few weeks time. Make sure to also share with your friends and subscribe to our podcast that will soon be available on iTunes and iCloud. As always, stay safe and we'll talk to you soon.